Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Believe in UCLA football podcast. We'll be here with a new episode for you right after this quick note. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all of your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips with Bet Online's real updates and statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use the promo code BELIEVE to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And as always, I'm joined here by former UCLA linebacker Josh Woods. Josh, what's going on, man? I went back home to California. And you didn't go to San Diego, why? My flight was Saturday. We had practice oh. Monday morning or Sunday morning. So Damn. I had to. Yeah, man. That's tough. <laughs> the main the main focus of this bye week one was to see my, my family. You know, it's been I haven't seen them all summer. Mm-hmm. Um, And two was to get my quarter clothes. Your quarter clothes. Like my cold like, clothes. Oh yeah, your cold clothes. Okay, to change seasons. So right, I right, took, right. Yeah. So so I had to take home, you know, the shorts, the t-shirts, the tank tops. <laughs> you cycle and it I out. To, <laughs> I had to. I had to bring back the puffer, the sweatpants, mm-hmm. the the hoodies. So you probably leave it. I mean, you probably showing up with two bags, but you leave it with like three or four. Because how do you how do you pack a puffer? See, that's the thing. Like I took back so much stuff that I was able to you know, pack in my puffer pretty tight into my suitcase. And then when I'm coming back, I'll just wear it back. So hopefully it doesn't, you yeah. know, so it doesn't take up much space. Mm-hmm. Damn. I mean, you've been doing it for a while now, so you got a system. I but guess. it was, it's so hot. It was so hot being home. <laughs> I was carrying a puffer just even to the airport. Everyone's like, what the hell? <laughs> They're going to say he ain't from around here when he actually is. That's the sad part. Um. All right. Well, I'm glad you made it back safely um speaking of san diego big win for ucla i mean yeah a big win a win's a win but there's a, lot, a win. there's a lot of positives that came out of this game uh you got to catch some of the game before your flight what was your uh what were your thoughts on uh it looks like we may have some answers at the quarterback position if you ask Chev, he'll say no but um dante morgan the start staying in for a lot of the game she said he they said she was going to play he plays Fourth quarter, just kind of got him in to kind of get him in. But what are your thoughts on Dante? More and more. Mm-hmm. We asked for it, and yep. they delivered. I mean, he – some of the throws he makes like, makes him look like a vet. Like, he's making some vet throws. And like we said, like, his ceiling is tremendously high. And I think, you know, it's the best that he gets these reps under his belt moving forward if he's going to be the guy when we go into pac play. A game like San Diego State is, is a you know great time for him to get those those reps in that you know full game. It's different, you know, playing a 
possession of like how they were rotating, right? Versus mm-hmm. playing the entire game and all the different situations and like really having a rhythm and a flow. It's different than when you're, yeah, than when you're rotating and going into Pac-12 play. I, I just, like we talk about, I don't think you can rotate at the quarterback position. So having him starting to get that experience and exposure to being a full-time starter, I think now was the perfect time and, you know, for him to get ready and prime up for those beer games. So we'll see what the rotation is for the next game. I hope, I hope it's not like, okay, Dante got almost a full game. Now Schley's going to get yeah. a lot of time yeah. and then a little bit of Garbers. Although I really did like, the changeup of Schley because he because you you have with, with with Garbers and Dante are more I mean pro style in the pocket mm-hmm. passing quarterbacks with Schley he has the threat of running more and it's almost a switch up you know it's well, it is a big switch up to their styles of play so like he can he just a threat of when he's in it's not and it's not really like wildcat but just having the threat of a running quarterback kind of changes that dynamic and makes teams have to you you're gonna have to prepare for that so yeah the thing is like when when there's a certain package or something teams will have to take a period out of the week right just to go you know practice those different situations so now teams are going to be like you know you're going to have majority of your of your reps practicing for either Dante Moore or Ethan Garbers but you're going to have a period in there once or twice a week where you're preparing for a quarterback that can run with Schley coming in because I've seen games where teams prepare all week for, you know, a certain style of play of a quarterback. I mean, and teams probably the same thing where I'm saying when teams are preparing for Dorian versus when, when Garbers got in right. where a team prepares all week though, for a pocket passing quarterback and you're probably focusing on coverage and pass rush all week. And then if something happens to the other quarterback and they put in a quarterback, they can run. I think this this happened um, in 2015 versus University of Arizona. The quarterbacks, whoever, I think it was Brian Dawkins got hurt or something, and they put like a receiver or some some type of guy like that, gadget guy at quarterback, <clears throat> and they were running like, like a, a read option, zone read. Mm-hmm. I think they ended up running for like 200 yards. Jesus. And it was <laughs> and it was because all week prepare for a certain style of play and then mm. you have a running quarterback or something changed up. Same thing happened uh in 20 I think the same thing happened in 2016 when Khalil Tate it was the first time Khalil Tate played. And all week they're preparing for I forgot who the court was at the time but he was still more of a throwing quarterback. And then Khalil Tate gets in mm-hmm. and it's like he's running zone read and like <laughs> You were only like the only run thing you were worried about is inside zone, outside zone, but like zone read now that he's pulling, right. it's a whole different element to where you haven't practiced for all week and it kind of hits. So, like having a guy like Schlee for that switch up, I knowing Chip and the way you know his brain works with offenses and all the different types of looks and formations, I see Schlee having a package every week, even if he's not the first or second string quarterback. Mm-hmm. Almost in a way of like a Taysom Hill type, call it kind of, kind of. That's what, what some people were thought, saying, yeah. Kind of what we thought that uh, Colson Yankoff might have been. I think Schley mm-hmm. will be that package guy of he can get in and just give a different look from time to time. Okay, okay. For whatever reason, on my stat sheet here that they gave us, they didn't even put Schley on here, but 
I don't know why. Um, so I don't know what his passing and running stats were. I know he did get some runs. Um, but going back to to Dante as a passer, 17 of 27 completed 17 of 27 passes, no interceptions, 290 yards, and three touchdowns. Not bad. Not bad at all. And one of the other things is like how much he spread the ball out. I mean, there's mm-hmm. only Logan Loya had four catches. Other than that, it's a lot of guys had two catches, one catch. I know as a receiver, that might be annoying. But I mean, <laughs> for spreading the ball out, that's that's but as good as it gets. I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe this is like a good learning lesson of if J Mike's busy or they're doing, you know, they they're locking them down, I guess. But um, you have other guys like that are getting reps and like getting the ball and you know everybody's staying ready everyone's not saying eh, they, they don't throw my way anyways but mm-hmm. um well, the one thing i i noticed about j mike or there was a drive where more threw to him twice and it was pi and then pi again called um on the defender did the defender he like he can't keep up with them huh he is that is that normally what happened like it was two times in a row where dude was J. Mike was kind of breaking away from him, and I feel like he's just holding on for dear life not to. I feel like he's one of those guys play. where where it's. I mean, of course, it, it's fifty. It's always fifty fifty. But with him, it might be a catch or a pi almost every time. Just mm-hmm. the kind of receiver he is, where either he's gonna make that catch or something prevented him from making that catch, and it probably right. wasn't clean. Um. So yeah, and also yeah, Dante having that faith in him and having that. Mm-hmm. Um, that savviness to him of where he he notices the matchup, like you said, where that guy can't guard him. And if I put it up there, yeah, like I said, either he's going to get it or you're going to get the P.I. call. Now, there's a few things that I took away from from this. So one, looking at it, J. Mike had three targets. And again, two of them were the were P.I.s. I guess he caught one of them if, if they said he had two catches. Anyways, um, did do you think. I don't I, I wasn't keeping track of, of how long how much more he played after the PIs, but do you think maybe you take him you're taking him out so that they're just like because if they're just jumping on dude, get PI and stuff, like I don't know. Am I reading too much into that? Like if Sturdivant is not getting the ball more than three times, they, they probably cut him loose a little bit, right? And just had him hanging out, not really in the game if he wasn't necessarily needed. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you never know why certain guys are rotating, um, guys stepping up. Also, if if the coach feels a certain way about how they ran on a certain route or mm-hmm. if they, you know, had a mental error, like that type of thing, you, I mean, you never know. Especially just the way that Chip likes things ran, there's a, gonna, there's a lot of rotation. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's always been that way at every position. And now we're seeing this quarterback rotation. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you never know. I mean, there's we saw King Jones, Jones, yeah, <laughs> at uh receiver. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if he was that meant he was taking over like the Casimir Allen role, um, moving from running back to receiver mm-hmm. and just trying to find ways to get guys the ball. Cause I feel like there's so many different guys that are weapons on the offense, but you only have one ball to go around. So moving guys around, trying to find different ways to use certain different types of people. Like a guy like Josiah Norwood, mm-hmm. who he, he wasn't there when you were there. I think it was a walk. He was. So he came okay. in, he came in as a walk on quarterback quarterback. 
walk-on quarterback. I did not know that. On, on scout team, he would go play receiver, and he ended up doing so good, he ended up going and carving out a receiver role. And a guy, he's always been fast. Um, really? I didn't know that. And seeing him make a play like he did is another thing, like, where I love seeing the guys that, you know, work their butts off to, you know, finally getting the play time, the recognition, and, like, I would say more meaningful reps, you know what right, I'm saying? Where right. you you have these guys that these walk-ons that, that might, you know, of course it's awesome for anybody that, you know, get reps, especially in the Rose Bowl and, you know, as a, as a UCLA football player, but when a guy works his butt off and he earns like meaningful reps, meaning like reps in the middle of the game, mm-hmm. the score is close, not like in a blowout. This is, or- this is seven minutes in the first, seven minutes in the first quarter, first play of an offensive drive. Moore throws an 81-yard touchdown to Josiah Norwood, 11-second drive. Like, that's big, mm-hmm. you know? Not just that's for not, him, That's not for, an accident. For, yeah, and for the Bruins of having another guy, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, another weapon, a guy that could step up and make a catch like that and take it to the crib. Like, yeah, you know, that's not – yeah, to, to outrun everybody like that, that, again, doesn't happen on accident. <laughs> and, um, yeah, shout-out to him. I'm so proud of him for that. Now I, like, I wanted like right. we were talking about Alex Johnson's like another guy like mm-hmm. him getting interceptions, him getting meaningful like starting yeah. and like being the highest one of the highest rated DBs in you know mm-hmm. the Pac-12. Like none of this stuff like happened. I said these guys have been like working their butts off since they showed up as walk-ons at UCLA, and now seeing them in these um, these roles is just awesome to see. So like for someone like Josiah Norwood, I mean he can hit that. I, anytime I recall him being on the field or getting reception it's one of these big plays but so when you see something like that the next week any like the next couple weeks any of these other teams that are preparing for ucla they got to kind of have an eye out for him right because they know if dude's on the field he could break out like it adds another wrinkle just because he like i mean he's not he's not even on the depth chart but now you got to keep up with this number whatever jersey number he is and and be aware of this this play in particular just because I mean, it could happen. You can get got just, just like San Diego State did. Um, so I thought that was interesting. One thing I want to talk about with you, um, we'll talk about some defense in a little bit, but maybe this kind of relates to both offense and defense. I want to talk time of possession. So mm-hmm. um, as I said, Josiah Norwood, 81-yard pass, first play of an offensive drive. So that was 11 seconds. The second scoring drive for UCLA was finished with the Carson Steele 13 yard run that drive was seven plays two minutes and 37 seconds then you had um the next scoring drive which was and these may not all have been in a row I'm just reading them the scoring drives um TJ Harden 59 yard rush it was a three play offensive drive for a minute that lasted one minute one second you had Another drive that lasted 56 seconds that ended with Logan Loya getting a 24-yard 20, touchdown pass. And then you had a Carson Ryan uh, six-yard catch um, for a touchdown. That drive was four minutes and 20 seconds. So you had drives that were 11 seconds, one minute, 59 or 56 seconds, and then one that was just like four minutes. But what I'm saying is all these drives are like a minute long. If you're on defense, how the hell do you catch a break? And that, that was one of the things we always talked about. Um, and it, it's it's been since Chip kind of revolutionized 
college football and offense, mm-hmm. one of the like the biggest things, yeah, has been how do you how do you play defense for when your offense is scoring that fast? Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like staying, you know, being you know you're gonna be out there more because of that. Where they're not it's not traditional run uh you know like the old right. Stanford where they're just like getting they're taking three plays to get a first down and like slowly marching mm-hmm. down the field taking all these minutes off um you know that they can be quick and they can they can score in literally like you said one two three plays um so then you know you're gonna have more possessions on defense which is tougher because I mean the more you're out there the more you know there's mm-hmm. like you said tired and more opportunities for the offense to do things and um, one of the things that we had talked about um before is like just winning the turnover battle and just having a having a few stops can win you a game with when you have offense like that because you know your offense is gonna outscore usually every you know they're mm-hmm. always gonna put points up so it's like you preventing touchdowns and creating turnovers um is a major thing of of just winning the game because you know it's it's there's rounds. That's how they like, you know, especially when we had Coach Az because he had, you know, he was a former boxer and like the analogy of it. Wait, was, what? He was a boxer? That? No. <laughs> what? Yes. But one of the analogies is like we're in a we're you're like every game is is like a, you know, a, a boxing match. So you have 12 rounds. So you just need to win more rounds. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So so that's yeah. And the the defense was that the defense did kind of I'm gonna say annoy me. Uh, we'll get we'll get we'll get to that in a second. Hold on, I just want to read off the total time of possession to you. UCLA had the ball for 16 minutes and 32 seconds. San Diego State had the ball for 28 minutes and 28 seconds. That's a long time on the field. Thankfully, they got depth, or luckily, they have depth at a lot of these positions. But you said the defense annoyed you. Now I'm curious why. Because San Diego State had no business even <laughs> scoring on the UCLA Bruins. Um, I don't know how they were 2-0. Oh. Not, not even trying to be like disrespectful, but just right. like they um, weren't able to throw on other on on the in the first two games. Yeah. Correct? Right. Yes. Yeah. They were they, not the quarterback was more known for his running than uh for throwing the ball. Yeah. I mean, the quarterback still had, you know, three interceptions, didn't even throw for two hundred. But it was just like it just seemed like there was times where these drives for San Diego were going way longer than they should have been, you know, converting or um, guys just seemed to be open. I don't know what I don't know, like if they're running soft zones or it was Miss Simonson man. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Some um, people were not happy with that secondary. You were one of those people. Um, I don't matter to me, but I'm just like, damn, y'all gotta do something. <laughs> yeah, it just like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. What I'm saying, I don't, I don't know what the issue is, but I think secondary is kind of it's been the weak spot of the defense, and it's one of the things that we talked about all mm-hmm. off season as far as like this is be- one of the best front sevens UCLA's had mm-hmm. with all the returners. We have you know this amazing pass rush. We had these. These uh, so many linebackers in the depth, and mm-hmm. we were like, okay, but who's gonna fill in the spot for, for uh, Blaylock and Mo Osling? Like, mm-hmm. you know what what's gonna happen? 
And I think those spots are good, to be honest. The guys who filled in, uh, Kenny Churchwell, um, redshirt freshman, Kamari Ramsey, don't seem to be the problem. It's your corners that were there last year. I mean, it was Devin Kirkwood, if I got to be honest. It was just Devin Kirkwood because Humphreys was fine. Jalen Davies has been fine. The thing is, a lot of people are, are kind of disappointed in Kirkwood. Or it, it, a lot of because we were talking about it on Twitter spaces, and it reminds me a lot of what Nate Metters said when he was talking to us. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to put this on Kirkwood or whatever, but it's like there's probably, there has to be something there. I don't know if it's just his, he's having his sophomore slump in his junior year, but he's been pretty solid his first, like he played as a true freshman when whoever other cornerbacks were there. I can't I'm think, can't think of names at the time, but. There was more than enough talent there. Quantra's Knight was there. Quentin, um, Quentin Lake was there. All these guys, all these, there's secondary. Everybody was in there. And he was still getting time as a true freshman. He played it pretty well for himself last year. This year, you got three DB coaches on the staff. What is the problem? That and that by that might be one of the issues. And maybe um, it's a new defense. I don't maybe. That's what I'm saying. So so for him, I mean, we know that he's talented. We know that he's mm-hmm. capable. It, I'm saying it could be one of those things where it's too many people in his ear um, or, yeah, like a new ter- technique versus what he was used to playing before. And he's trying to figure out, yeah, that switch of how they want him to play certain things. It could be the, the play calling. Um, he's used to, like I said, yeah, more soft zone, more. Mm-hmm. And he is going up against know. number. He's going up against the number one receiver more often than not. So, I mean. You're gonna. I mean, you're not gonna be perfect against the number one receiver. The number one receiver is gonna get his. But, snaps. but I don't. I mean, okay. Coastal Carolina, they had a dog. Mm-hmm, San Diego me, State. Yeah. I'm not. I don't think any. It's just they didn't have any receivers that were just like. I didn't know not, any receivers' names going into this game. They're and not right about the it. guys at that school across the street. They're not mm-hmm. any of the the guy. They're not. They're not. Uh. Not Oregon. Yeah. Not they're not the Colorado. Uh, they're not Colorado Washington. Guys. Yeah, they're not Washington. Washington has guys. Um Yeah, so I'm just that that worries me about Pac 12 play when it comes to, you know, when mm-hmm. we're really playing offenses that have guys across the board. But do you think this kind of goes to what I had mentioned to you? I, I don't know if it's last it wasn't last episode, it was a couple episodes ago. Remember the corner? There was that. I still. I don't think I ever sent you that video of the cornerbacks coach going in on the guys, on the corners, being like, "Yo, I can't play for you. y'all. Can't, y'all gotta hype it up. Y'all gotta show some effort." Like, maybe that's yeah. I mean, what he was talking about. But no, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, well I feel to... like maybe that was one day. Like, yeah, I don't know if that was a. So there's been some stuff that's kind of happened as a result of this, and maybe we're reading too much into it. Maybe not, but. Jay, uh, not Jalen Davies. Um, what is the old boy's name? Jaden Marshall. Yeah, I think it's Jaden Marshall. He was a receiver, and they moved him over to cornerback. So everyone's like, "Huh, what's going on there?" And then, um, let me make sure I got his name right. Uh, Jaden Marshall. Yeah, I was right. Um, so. Yeah, Jaden Marshall moves over to cornerback from the receiver room. Um, I believe he's a second-year guy. But then also, you're going to have to – let me explain it first, and then you can you can uh, tell me. But I want to know how you guys know who starts, knows the rotation. How do you know who's playing, who's starting a game? Because – so Kirkwood, 
is the starter. He's been on the depth chart as a starter. All of a sudden, they they send they like they always do. They send the media. They send out the depth chart. And th- this week, at first, it said Jalen Davies, Kirkwood. So they switched them. Twenty minutes later, after everybody posted the new depth chart, they switched it back. They sent a new depth chart and said this. There was a mistake. Oops. And put Kirkwood back on top and Jalen Davies second. How 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 do you guys? I'm the thing is is the depth chart never really changes. The depth chart still has Ali Caho on it, even though he's in a boot, is unavailable. Yada yada yada. Um, but the depth chart doesn't really change. So for there to be a change, and then all of a sudden it gets changed back. I'm I'm just curious how the players know, because the play now now the players see that on social media is what I'm saying. So how do you guys know? I'm assuming they would know the truth, right? Or they know what the rotation is going to be that for this upcoming game, right? Like you guys are, do they post a depth chart on the wall? Or how do you guys find out? Is it just, I mean, it's just, yeah, pretty much who takes first team reps. I mean, we don't, we don't, yeah, we don't see the the depth chart. Like that, what y'all see, like we never see that or Mm -hmm. it's just who's up with the ones then who's up with twos? Like right. you just, you just know. And if any changes are made, the coach would probably tell you position, position meetings, or when you're out there on the field, and mm-hmm. you know you go from there. If it's a, if it's a rotation situation, then coaches will usually still have like the guy who's going to start in the in the initial first group. But like as the periods go on throughout the day, you might get different tandems in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like for them to for but the thing is like that's what I'm saying for. The depth chart that you guys get, like the media gets, Mm -hmm. that doesn't really mean anything. Oh, we know, but I like posting it anyway. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. But that's that's the thing why it's weird, too, of like if they, yeah, they have to, they don't have to release it. And then they know Mm -hmm. it has nothing to, like players, it has nothing to do with us. Right. But like, that's not a, that's not a thing that that somebody did on accident. That's what I'm saying. Especially if they keep this, especially because they don't really don't change it. Why would yeah. you not just send out the same? Mm-hmm. Like who made exactly, the exactly? Exactly. So what does blame Shea Pitts? Yeah, <laughs> he probably he probably is in there in the late hours, you know, pulling his yeah. doing his GA thing and and opened up, up Excel, opened up Excel and changed it or something. No, but that's why I was like, huh? And I mean, if you're trying to correct something or whatever, you kind of almost call more attention to it by trying to correct it. You know what I mean? Even yeah. if even if you just okay, you switch the two, whatever, we're gonna sit here, we'll talk about it, we'll we'll tweet about it for a day, and then okay, then whatever, it's on to the next thing. But then you do a correction, then it's like doesn't that get awkward between the guy again? They're not looking at the at the depth chart, even though I know for a fact one of the players that I mentioned looked at the depth chart. Um but what I'm saying is they see it, it's on it's gonna be on their timeline, regardless. Um so I don't know, like I don't want to say it makes it awkward, but I'm just like, there's just a lack of communication in the office somewhere. Cause it's like, even if it's being talked about, like it's like, I don't Chip remember Kelly's- the thing is, I don't, I don't remember it being on Twitter every week though. Now that I'm thinking about it. Now, I don't yeah, think ours now- was released that like, I feel like there was one at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and it was, it was mainly just like a roster. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, the depth chart, I mean, it didn't have Latu on it at all last year, even though he was a stud. Alex Johnson's not on this depth chart, and I'm assuming that's just because of the position he plays and 
however they want to list the depth chart. But Alex Johnson's not even on the depth chart. So it just kind of is what it is. Um, they still have ands and ors on Schley, Moore, and Garbers, which is why it's like, if there's going to be changes, yeah, somebody, it's going to be in the it, offense. Yeah, yeah, they should have just, just kept pushing out the same one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who. I was just, saying, somebody messed up. I think now I think about it, somebody messed up. Somebody all you messed to, up. Because all you had to do is just like copy or like just literally. You, you don't even have to touch the same. it. Yeah, yeah, you don't even have to touch the file. I think the only other change was maybe they changed the place kickers, I think. Something like that. But no one's looking at that. So I just had to run that by you and and, and, and bring that up. Again, Ali Kaho is in a boot. Ooh, Kane Medrano. Did um did you see Kay Madrano first um first defensive play? I think it's a tackle for a loss in the backfield t- tackle dude for like four yards. Um well, that was kind of good. Kay Madrano. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Who we were asking about and we really saw a lot of mm-hmm. Femi. Yes, Femi. That was the other one. I had that on my notes. Dude finished the game with 10 tackles. Uh they they was kind of asked after the game, like, did he feel lo- like comfortable? Um this week compared to last week and he said yeah a little bit more prepared you know i think it's one of these things that coaches kind of always say and it's kind of out there players may say this who's like there's film you can kind of like because what i heard you know because i'm not an x's and o's guy so i was just like i was asking some of the other reporters like what's the deal with femi like i know he played everyone's asking about it and everyone's like he did good he just didn't record a tackle or something so like all right so i mean he's not a bum i knew that but like now all of a sudden like this game 10 tackles so things may they may have been running the ball more his way or whatever, mm-hmm. but he was stopping short yardage plays, pass plays. He was stopping the run. He's doing pretty good for himself. Sometimes you know what I'm saying, and sometimes you can have a great game and not have stats. Like stats isn't the mm-hmm. you know. I've had to learn that over time because there yeah. can there can be times where you're like, dang, this guy had so many tackles, and it's because- I'm like, why do they even start Josh Woods? He only gets two tackles a game. <laughs> And it's like when I was playing defense end, I wasn't gonna get tackles because I'm mm-hmm. setting the edge. So most of the time, if I set the edge well, that means the ball is gonna be cut inside. Like they're not right. gonna keep running outside because I'm out there. Therefore, I'm not gonna get a tackle stat. But mm-hmm. that's a good for my grade and guys knowing I'm playing the defense well. Right. Like I'm setting the edge. I'm doing my job really well. Um. And there could be times where a DB's getting caught on a lot and he's getting, he's making the tackle after the dude catches it. Or, mm-hmm. but. One thing that I know why Femi um, had the numbers he had was he was running sideline to sideline. He was getting around the ball. You know, yeah. that's that's when 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 linebackers are doing like that and chasing things down and you know, like I said, running all over the field and being where the ball is. That's when mm-hmm. linebackers are doing good and playing well. Um, of course, I don't know the scheme exactly, so I can't grade it in in that aspect. But from the things that I saw, and I even told you, like, yeah, look at him running sideline to sideline and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, making tackles and getting around the ball. So that's when I was I was impressed. I was like, we're finally going to see him as a Bruin play. That's, how he that's the guy. That was the hype. things that we saw. Yeah, we, yeah. That we saw him do at Cal. So mm-hmm. he uh, so seven of the 10 tackles were solo tackles. Um, and then you had Darius Muasa, who was second with six tackles. He had a sack. He had three tackles for a loss. Did you see the goal line stand that they had? Dante Moore fumbles the ball. The the ball ends up on the one-yard line. Well, Dante fumbles the ball. They think they recover for a touchdown. They review it, reverse it, say it's on the one, and the defense has to start from the one and stuffs them. I don't think I got to see that possession. 
So, yeah. So what happened is there, it ended up being on the one yard line and San Diego State could not get the ball in. I think Latu forced a fumble and they, San Diego State recovered it like two plays later, two plays later. I think they tried to do a trick play where they had some linemen, like three linemen move out wide. And then like some of the linebackers and stuff moved out there. And then they tried to throw a screen or something and Darius picked it off in the end zone. I think it was a touchback, but yeah. And uh, that kind of, that kind of ended the game at that point. But um, that was something Chip kept talking about, which it was pretty much like facing adversity, getting a goal line stand like that. You know, it's just, it, yeah, it's against San Diego state. And we were talking about that on Twitter spaces where it's just like, yeah, it's against San Diego state, but even San Diego state should have probably scored in that situation. But I said, if anything, I would think it's still good for the defense's confidence. They know they can play through those situations. They can be in those situations and call back on this experience and not just say, uh, we're on the one line, one yard line, no matter what we do. But if they, if it's first and goal on the one yard line, you would think they're going to score, but no, they, they did pretty well for themselves. So I think that was one of the things Chip was really, really happy about to see, um, just the guys come through and something uh, I probably need to write a story about at some point soon is I remember Darius saying at the beginning of the year, like, um, like during fall camp. Yeah. We need to create turnovers. We need a, you know, NFL scouts are looking at that. That's what uh, Deonton Lynn's philosophy is, is like creating turnovers, getting tackles for losses, sacks, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, you know, some they're defenders are supposed to say that kind of stuff, but they're doing it. They're um, I think they're in the, they might be number one in interceptions in the nation. I think they have like five or six already. Um, so, and there's been a lot. I don't know. If you look at the UCLA Twitter account after Josh, there's a lot of defensive like numbers, like defensive, like uh, ranked top five and like a lot of defensive categories by PFF and stuff like that. Um, so even though your defense annoyed you a little bit, they did well. I'll have to find that clip for you so you can watch. It. I'm sure you'd be very proud <laughs> of, of that drive. Um, but, um, any other takeaways as we kind of wrap up? I do have a question for you. If you don't have anything else off the top of your head. I mean, just, I'll just take the question. Okay. Um, the guys on Twitter spaces want to know, um, uh, how you feel about throwback jerseys. Would you have liked to have had a throwback Jersey game? And I'm curious, do they let you keep those jerseys? Like, did you get to keep your black Jersey? Yes. The thing is, I really did like how we used to have one special uniform. Mm-hmm. alternate a year um us going to under armor we did the all white at home we did a white out mm-hmm. and then we never did it again um i don't chips chips since coming to ucla has been all about tradition which is kind of crazy because at oregon they wore so many different uniforms <laughs> yeah, after, right. you know alternates. Mm-hmm. um but he's big on the tradition of mm-hmm. our uniform so i don't think that they will do that but i think uh one alternate a year is, is always dope to do well, I think they're supposed to do it for the Colorado game, which is the they're going to honor former coach Terry Donahue. Um, I think it's the 25th anniversary of some team. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. Sorry to disappoint all of you guys. Um, and then it's also like homecoming or something like that. So they may have throwback uniforms for the Colorado game. Um, so that's why they were just kind of curious about that. Um so again, as we wrap things up, make sure you guys go ahead and su- hit the subscribe button on your favorite audio or podcast platform if you haven't already. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. That is in the description of this podcast. 
Also, we had a special guest last week, CBS analyst Aaron Taylor joined us, and we were talking about the San Diego State game. He was actually on the call for the San Diego State game. Um, you know, and we've had uh, Jake Bobo, DTR, a lot of other good guests, and we may have another special one coming up here pretty soon. So stay tuned for that. Again, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any special guests that we have in the future. But for Josh and myself, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Thank you guys for listening. This is the Believe in UCLA football podcast presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.